what is up what the fuck is up how are y'all doing today how is your heart i'm good i'm 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 in a really 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 great place um recorded um a lot this week um of like for songs for the record that i really really like so i'm excited about that that's just a quick update i told i, I told myself that i wasn't going to make this just complete self promotion so i don't <laughs> how are you doing i hope you're good let's hop into it look this is the carmine davis show i am your host carmine davis and thank you so much for tuning in if you get a chance you do you got a chance go ahead and smash that follow go ahead and smash that subscribe button um we are now only on apple itunes and google play but if you're hearing this somewhere else you know let me know i have to check on that we always do the same segments usually um we start with hot topic go into an artist spotlight and then we go in our love and relationship section we always leave it on a love note because love is the most bizarre thing to me i'll never understand it the other two topics i we can talk all day about but love does any of us know what the fuck we're doing nah so let's start let's go in and start with our hot topic as usual is brought to you by lovebscott.com and uh, i usually try not to do like celebrity gossip uh one because i don't that's not something i am extremely interested in unless the celebrity gossip wraps around a movement or um it's something a little bit um thought-provoking people probably in first appearance or first listen to the show they would think that most of it is just so vapid or me just talking or it can sound gossipy to the naked ear but everything i do and every subject and every person that i even choose for this artist spotlight i I like to leave it on a thought-provoking note. So our hot topic, like I said, is coming from the lovebscott.com. Lovebscott.com. We're going to talk about Bill Cosby. Uh, well, not exactly Bill Cosby. We're going to talk about his wife, Camille. Um, she's breaking her silence. And um, she's also making some claims to the Me Too movement. Now, Black Lives Matter. I just want to throw that out there. And we've talked about Black Lives and all this, that, and we will continue to talk about Black Lives Matter until Black Lives Matter. But right now, I want to double back to the Me Too movement and how they might align a little bit more than people might think. Uh, again, Bill Cosby's wife, Camille, breaks her silence and suggests the Me Too movement is racist. Of course, there's a video, and I will have that uh, video and a link in the description box. Um, as usual, click there. If you're listening, make sure you click and read these articles for yourselves. Just don't take my word for it. Go back and click on those articles and read it. Let me know what you think about them. Um, Again, Bill Cosby's wife, Camille Cosby, is very pleased with an appeals court recent decision to review his sexual assault conviction. She's also not so subtly suggesting that the Me Too movement is a racist movement. All right, Miss Camille, what you talking about? What you talking about? Okay. She uh, told Page Six, 
Um, Camille Cosby, in her first interview in six years, spoke to ABC News a day after the Pennsylvania Supreme Court agreed to review two aspects of the case. Quote, the state's highest court has said, wait a minute, there are some problems here. They can be considered for an appeal, quote, she told the news network. Quote, I'm very pleased, quote. Um, Her 82-year-old husband, just in case you did not know, is serving three to 10 years sentence after a jury found him guilty of drugging and sexually assaulting Andrea Constand in 2004. With Tuesday's ruling, the court will now review the judge's decision to allow prosecutors to call five other accusers and to introduce evidence that he'd given women quaaludes. Camila also slammed Me Too activists in the wide-ranging interview and suggested the movement is rooted in racism. All right. Here we go. This is what she had to say. Quote, first of all, I don't care what they feel. Quote, (laughs) she told ABC. Quote, the Me Too movement and movements like them have intentional ignorance pertaining to the history of particular white women. Not all white women, but particular white women who have from the very beginning pertaining to enslavement of African-American people, accused black males of sexual assault without any proof whatsoever, no proof, anywhere on the face of earth, Camille said, end quote. She also said her husband's case was not unlike the accusation that sparked the Tulsa, Oklahoma race massacre in 1921. And she also says that... Her previous comparison of Cosby's convention convention to the lynching of Emmett Till was warranted. Okay. Okay. Um, She says the parallel is that the same age old thing about particular white women making accusations against black men that are unproven. Emmett Till's outcome to mutilate his body in the way that it was, was just so deeply horrendous. She told ABC, she went on to say, I mean, there's a lack of words for that kind of hatefulness, but see years ago, I interviewed the survivors from the Tulsa, Oklahoma riots in 1921. She added, and that was another case of a white female making a claim of sexual assault against a black male, which we all know if we know about the Tulsa, Oklahoma riots, she said, Hmm. Camila also spoke out about current protests against police brutality and racial inequality that are sprouting up across the country, saying she wished that they were more focused in quotes. I'm very concerned about so many young people with a nanosecond attention spans. They cannot be, they cannot be just jumping around from one movement to another. She said, okay. Okay. All right. So, Miss, okay. So, I, there's like my best friends always say, just say it. I have an issue. That was the article. Here's what I have to say I have an issue with a lot of older people especially a lot of, period, African-American white people. I hate the way that they have treated this movement and almost totally. One, um, I used to always, me and and my best friend, Sin, um, we talk a lot about, 
you know, um, older people or like the people in our lives and how come they just don't listen to us or how come they don't value what we have to say or um, how come they always have people have to respect you to hear you. Uh, so I feel insulted by Camille's um, quotes. Um, I am completely and totally. Um, I am. I don't know the words. I it's. I'm almost despondent from the whole Cosby legacy, um, but I am happy that it is happening the way. I'm going to tell you something, Miss um, Camille. Your husband did those things. Yes, white women have a history of weaponizing um, the the lack of civil civility that black men receive in a just the justice system. But in the same breath, you just turned around and if you believe those things, why wouldn't you be for the Black Lives Matter movement? It's just your husband, your husband's matter. Your husband's lives matter. Basically, like (laughs) how so there's proof that your husband did those things. It's sad. It's true. It's but it's true. Your husband, whether we we loved Bill and we we still love him. We got love for Bill, but the truth was that your husband was not an innocent man in any way. If 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 none of these things happened. I believe that even though I know that there is a history of white women weaponizing um, that note, the notion that when a black man gets to um, the stand, he's guilty before proven innocent. Um, I feel like they, they use that to their advantage a lot, but I don't think this is the case with your husband. Bill Cosby, I know a lot of people in Hollywood and Bill Cosby is no different. They're, they, they are all, these rich entertainment titans who feel like they can do what they want. It's he, yeah, he sold us pudding pops and showed us what a black father should be. But just like a lot of black fathers out in the real world, they live double lives and your husband is no exception girl. And to go, I feel like older people, What would you call them? I wouldn't even call her a boomer. She's 82. Um, who was that before the, um, what was the, 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 uh, no, I think that's Shay. I think she technically is a baby boomer. Isn't baby boomer. Um, I could be completely wrong and I'm, I'm, I will look it up, but I think the baby boomers are from 1940 something in the, uh, 1940. No, don't tell me. 1940 to 1960s, I want to say. I want to say. I'm going to figure it out. I'm at the Google it right now. But that generation and their um, lack of respect for millennials, everything we do is, it goes back to the fact that we have a nano. That's all y'all got. Do you know what I mean? Like we don't have the same attention span or we don't, all those things may be true, but that doesn't mean that we're stupid. We're not stupid enough to support a man who clearly went to court. It's like my issue with R. Kelly. I love R. Kelly to death, but R. Kelly did do those things. It's time. It's high time for us to stop. To stop. 
let's stop. Let's let's stop disillusioning ourselves of our because they these are the same men who were in our rooms every day or playing on our radio doesn't mean that they didn't have a double life. Now, whether all of it is accurate, all the accusations, maybe they're not a thousand percent, but how to victim shame Miss Cosby is crazy. A whole movement because your husband felt the other side of that sword. If I that was my husband, I would be so... If I had the if a woman came and accused my husband of being a rapist, I know my job is to protect him, but a part of that is also making sure that he does his time, it's getting the help that he needs to do. Because why would some woman spend one woman, not just one woman? It's Mr. Cosby. I get it, but these are multiple women, and yes, let's we need to we need to cut that that narrative out of victim shaming and always having the, it should be the same. Everybody's innocent until proven guilty. Let these people prove to you. And they did. They brought you receipts, girl, because you don't want to see it. So you're going to kill a whole movement. And then at the same time, bust shots at another movement that are, that is in an advancement of people who are you, (laughs) The Me Too movement is for you. Black Lives Matter is for you. Because your husband was a rapist, everything else is fake and fictitious. Because you can't wrap the idea, and I don't even believe that. Every sin has a tale. You know what I mean? Like you... You could, if you're honest with yourself, you can learn the truth about your partner. The, the, come on. I don't, I don't know y'all. Am I wrong? I think that is crazy as hell. Like to fix your mouth and get on ABC and bust shots at two movements that have liberated hundreds of thousands of people and has has heralded so many of like that are are making changes and securing and that's most of these movements are millennial y'all didn't do that y'all started it they're considered isn't isn't the baby boomers aren't the baby boomers considered the silent generation I don't know. I know baby boomers didn't completely help us. They did a lot. But we are still fixing y'all's mess. So you might want to chill out on the the millennial shade. Because the millennial is probably going to be the what got your husband an appeal. A millennial lawyer. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think that is crazy. But anyway, I'm not going to get on her head. I I think, I just think this whole, that whole victim shaming has to be, that's dead. That's a dub. Like, no more. Like, stop. And then stop. Stop ignoring signs. Like, 
stop it. I, I know you have, I feel like you have to keep your head and then your heart after. So maybe she's somewhere in that process. Or maybe the fact that she's seeing her husband behind bars, I can't, you know what I mean? And that's your job. Like when you marry somebody, you're supposed to ride it out to them with them till the wheels fall off, I guess. That's so why I've only been engaged. I've never been married. Cause I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to. That's weird to me. <laughs> I'm not gonna ever act like I don't see what I see or I can't ignore. If someone stepped to me and told me that my my husband did this or my husband did that, I would be a damn fool. Like, especially if I've, it makes sense to me. If I heard the evidence and it made sense to me. Now, whether I divorced him or not, that's something else. Like, there you you go and you you get counseling for your man. You go and make sure he does his time and he, you're by his side. But shaming the person that it, the the victim of your husband's crime that's crazy to me. And then go and bust shots at a whole movement that is for the advancement of you. Two movements that are in the advancement of you. And I know this man is is a, but he's no angel. None of us are. <laughs> but anyway. What do y'all think? Y'all, she got a point or the only point she got is in the end of her index because I don't see it. So, but let's tweet about it. Let's talk about it. Carmine Davis show on Instagram. Um, Carmine Davis on Instagram, twitter.com slash Carmine Davis. Tweet me, email me, follow me everywhere. Let me know what you think. So, Okay. And we move it on, move it on, move it on, move it on. This week's artist spotlight is a little bit different than we normally do. I feel like we do a lot of women. I think we've only done women, right? I'm not sure. This is like the 11th show and I, I don't know. But um, we tend to only spotlight women. So I was like, why don't we just do... So this week artist spotlight is on the incomparable I feel like he's like a king of even a, a maybe a prince of R&B um Donnell Jones you know that I love you girl you he had a lot of drama too so so buckle up it's not it's not one of the more boring ones like he had a lot of shit going on um Ooh, okay, so let's start off with what we know or probably don't know about Mr. Donnell Jones. Besides the fact that he can sing, he was one of the uh, most sexy men in the 90s, early 2000s. He wrote for everybody, but let's start off with the basics. Okay, he is a Gemini. Donnell Jones was born May the 22nd in 1973 in Chicago, Illinois. But we were all introduced to him with his cover of Stevie Wonder's Knocks Me Off My Feet um, from his debut album, My Heart. But before then, he was in a group. He was it was he probably had like four or five children before then. Let's take it on back. So Donnell Jones, again, was born in Chicago and he was raised by his mother and father until they got a divorce when he was around eight years old. But he was always around. But music has always been around because his father was a gospel singer and at from 8 to 12, he was singing so much that his grand, his father bought him a guitar and he wrote his first song, um, 
I love Can't Win at 12 years old. I'm a kind of heavy, heavy ass subject from a song, but I used to write really sad songs growing up too. Like horribly song, like horrible, horrible. I feel like if you're a songwriter or an artist, you've had to have such an old heart for a very long time. But anyway, I, I digress. His family um, split up a little bit when he was 12 years old. Um, though his parents divorced and he saw his father often, she did not financially or he did not financially support um, his mother and his other siblings. But times were hard, but he says that they had a lot of love in the home and it really inspired him to begin to write. His dad um, got him the guitar, but his mom bought him the piano or the keyboard and he learned to play music. He used to take it to school and play for girls and write these songs for all these girls. And usually he used to love the attention in school and it made him start crooning a little bit. He was that boy that was playing and singing for the girl's attention. You know, we all had that one boy. One of those girls that he got the attention of was uh, Kashina. Kashina uh, Hunter. She was his first baby mama in his longest relationship. Isn't that sweet? Uh, she also was the source of his one of his most famous songs because he was so caught up. And between his love for her and the life of the streets, he started kind of petty hustling um, at a young age in teenage, his teenage years. He would just get enough to buy shoes and little shit like that. So he started selling weed or whatever he had to sell to get his shoes. It wasn't real, no, any real big hustling. But because it was petty, it took a lot of effort. So he was always in the streets. And, but one day he was out hustling and he got arrested for peddling um, substance. It's probably just like a... Uh, three-fifths of, a, of of weed. And he, when he got booked, he became the suspect of a robbery that he had nothing to do with. Later on, it turns to find out that the man looked like Donnell, but he was booked and held in jail for weeks until he proved his innocence. And he didn't have enough bail money or anything like that. So he had to stay there because he was falsely accused by the officers. What does that sound like? Does that sound familiar to anybody? But anyway... But it's all good because his brother previously went to jail and served a life sentence because he killed someone. And that was a wake up call for him. He didn't want to do it anymore. Any of that petty uh, a slanging that he was doing. He wanted to focus on his, his girl and his music. He focused on his music, but he also got a day job at McDonald's. And he used to sing a lot while he was uh, packing the food. And his manager overheard him and couldn't deny him. He was like, yo... Let's. I'm doing this group together. Why don't you become um, the singer, one of the singers in the group? The group was named Porsche, like um, Porsche Williams, or um, <laughs> um, he's driving a Porsche. He came and picked me up in a Porsche. So um, anyway. <laughs> So they started recording together while he in between shifts at McDonald's. And um, and in between this, he had a daughter, his first daughter in 1992. He was 18 years old. So he felt the hunger to provide for them in a legal way. So they pushed, 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 and they went to the Black um, Summit, um, some a uh, Black musical radio event in Chicago, somewhere in Chicago, and nobody was there. So instead of wasting the opportunity, they went outside. And started singing to everybody who came to check into the hotel where the banquet was. And eventually they got um, the attention from Eddie Farrell from Heavy D and the boys. Isn't that cool? 
But anyway, so he signed them and they went on to record, record with LaFace. Yeah, they got signed to LaFace um, with his independent label. And they recorded, recorded, and they moved to New Jersey. They all lived together in this house and they used to go out and party and everything. Everybody but Donnell, he would stay in the house and record, 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 and learn to record himself and the group. The group goes on and records a song, Make You Feel Good, but eventually they ended up getting dropped and got sent back home to Chicago. But later on, months and months went by, and then Donnell got a call from um, the same guy, and they were like, well, we need somebody to come in and write. So he wrote with Faith Evans the song for Usher, Think of You, which was on Usher's debut record. If you, That was like a really one of his big hits. And then he auditioned at LaFace, in front of L.A. Reid and and ended up not getting the deal with Eddie, but just went straight to LaFace. So that was really, really awesome. And he, from then on, he started working with other artists, including Madonna. He did the vocal arrangements on her Bedtime Story album, which is my, definitely my top three Madonna albums of all time. It's one of my favorite records of all time. So he did a great job with that. It became time for him to go ahead and record his own record, which was My Heart. And it reached number 30 on the Billboard R&B hip hop charts. And this was with no real promotion other than the cover of Stevie Wonder's Knock you, Knocks Me Off My Feet. So that's a great feat for a debut album with no promotion. Now, around this time, you know, he starts bubbling and becoming um, bigger and bigger. And he's on his third baby with uh, Kashina or Takesha. Sorry. <laughs> his baby mamas, his original baby mamas. They, he's, he's on his third child and he's now he's about to become famous. He's writing for all these people and he's touring. He went on tour with Alicia Keys and... During that time, he started drinking heavily every night. He was going out seeing women, smoking on the the devil's lettuce and knocking back Grey Goose. And he went to the point where he was taking a 12-pack of um, a beer and hitting half a bottle of Grey Goose, Grey, Grey Goose every single night. You know, and then there was nothing but hoes um, out, you know, ready to do whatever. And it was sort of like, you know, you got a baby at home, you have your wife, and you also have this new life that you thought you would never have. So he was kind of torn and he just really couldn't seem to see where he wanted to be. So therefore, he went back to the studio, started recording for his second album, and then his magnum opus was born where I Wanna Be. Now, I love that song. I love, 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 love that song. But I hated it growing up. I thought it was so weird. What do you mean you don't know where you want to be? When I, when I first heard it when I was growing up, I'm like, you want to be with your wife. You want to be with your kids. You want to be with your family. Like, why? what is out in these streets for you? But as I grew older, I understand, I understand that everything is not so black and white. And I've become... It actually made me like him more. <laughs> If that makes any sense, like he was a real nigga and that's, that's how they feel. But the album also was released and it was his platinum selling album with, of the same title where I want to be. And it was all about Kashina and his love for her, but his confusion about where he wanted to be in his life. It also spun the hits. Of course, you know, what's up, but my favorite songs off the album were not the singles. 
I guess Shorty had Shorty had her eyes on me. It was a sing. Well, it technically wasn't a single, but that's my favorite song from the record. And this love, I love this love. He put his foot in where I want to be. That whole album is nothing but R and B hood classics. Like it's amazing album. Like I love that album so much. I still to this day I have so much inspiration behind that album. You you know he did that banger with Left Eye. You know um, you know what's up. Which is everything. Uh-huh. What's that? Like, <laughs> I love Left Eye. But anyway, he went on. He continued his problems with alcoholism, but he got back into the studio in 2000 and recorded his album, my favorite one, Life Goes On. It To me, it's got Do You Wanna and Freaking You, Life Goes On, Still, Put Me Down. Like, I love that record. Love that record. But in between those two records, he got into some trouble. He was driving with his limo driver and him and his boys were like, hey, can you drop us off at Washington Heights in Manhattan? We need to go pick up some, you know, stuff. And the man refused. He's like, no, I'm getting paid to take you here. This, that, and the third. I don't want to go. So it got to the point where they were so pissed off that he wouldn't drop them off. They basically stole the car and beat him up and pulled a gun out on him. So I'm like, what kind of substances were you trying to get a little (laughs) to make you act that way? Like, why couldn't you take your ass and drop where you were going and go get on the train? (laughs) I don't know. Or get another car or whatever. I wasn't there. But of course, you know, he got his black ass arrested and they hit him with a a misdemeanor for um, possession of a weapon and um, assault. For the limo driver. But, you know, that didn't stop him. The money kept rolling and he just kept touring, touring, touring. And eventually his um, baby mama, Kashina, had her fourth child in 2000. And it kind of was in a weird position because he also had a girlfriend. So with this baby, the fourth baby, Kashina was over it. She was like, okay, so I can deal with this. But I need you to cut her off and I want you to come home. Like, I will forgive you. But he was like, nah, I want both of y'all and I don't think you should make me choose. Like, this is the mother of your child. Like, four kids. She had four babies by you. One of them when you didn't have shit. And you make it, you're telling her some new bitch. So she left. She dipped. <laughs> So she was so afraid of him at this point because he was also every day, again, drinking literally, he said, a 12 packs and a bottle of Grey Goose every single day. He became violent. And one morning or one afternoon, she was like, me and the babies, we were going to go to the store, whatever. He was down in the basement recording and she dipped. They were in Atlanta and he she moved her and her family back to Chicago. So what does he do? Like a Gemini, he was like, okay, well, that was easy. Now I can be with this side chick. So they tried to make it work and it didn't work. She ended up not being the woman that she needed, of course. And I believe in the, hmm, I believe in the notion that if you don't do your woman right, men and and women, if you don't do a woman, the woman in your life, right, everything in your world will come apart. I, I believe that a thousand percent. So his label began to change and it switched from LaFace to Arist. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that, with that famous switch. But in the process, you know, he lost everything, kind of. He lost his footing in the label. He was not a priority there. He was just a marginalized, another artist on the roster. And they forced him to go into the studio with producers. 
Donnell Jones produced every one of his songs up until that point. So he felt it was sort of like a sense of sabotage. They're fucking, they're fucking with his money at this point. Like they're making him, if you're going to record, you have to record with these people. So going on to his next record, he was kind of at odds with his label. That record that he was at odds with them about was Life Goes On, the one that I was just talking about in 2002. The album eventually went gold, but during the fights and all of those issues that he was having with his label, he didn't. He wasn't quiet about them. Every show he was speaking about every um, his issue with what's going on with, with Arista and how L.A. Reid was treating him and how he didn't want to be there. So they dropped his ass. Um, shortly after it underperformed, he was supposed to be going up. He went from a platinum album to a gold record and it just was, it was hard to be around him with his alcoholism, but you know, he didn't give a fuck. You know, he was rich. He was drinking all the time. He was doing other substances. He had a little money. He didn't care. So he didn't take it as a warning. They moved him to jive. Of course he fought, 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 fought. And in the process he began to spiral. He started drinking. He was always drunk, always drunk. And he went to go visit his baby mama and get the kids to go to a birthday party. He was fucked up to the point where they pulled him over and they booked him. Afterwards, I guess that was his um, breakthrough and he went to rehab. And he stayed clean just enough to record his 2006 album, the journey of a Gemini, which is one of my favorite, another one of my favorite. Don- I'm I'm partial though. I love Donnell Jones. I think he's such a, a man. He's such a good guy. Like, I, I I don't know. He's not a good guy, but I don't know. I love his music. But the journey of the gym and I have my apology. And that's basically what the whole album was. It was his apology to all of the people that he hurt in the process of dealing with substance abuse. Uh, blaming it basically to the fact that he's a Gemini, but he's doing everything he can, you know, to, to provide. He was working. He wants y'all to accept that. But again, he also continued to have issues with Jive. The album debuted at number one on R&B chart, which was his first record to debut there. But it slowly started to simmer down. There was no other music video that they were going to do for him. They were over it. Now, um, in this process, he was spiraling out of control again, but he was trying to hold on and he was going back to partying. He was still drinking, getting fucked up every single day. Um, clowning in front of his kids to the point where they called him Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like he was really dealing with demons. But in this process of him partying, he met a new girl named Jazz in 2006. And they met by him coming up. She came up to him and asked him for a cigarette. And he says that they were inseparable ever since. Um, they look like Marlboro types. If you, if you, Mar, maybe a Marlboro, like they probably, but it was probably definitely a Newport, but that started the love affair. He said that she stayed by his side ever since. And shortly after, maybe the next year that they met, um, Jazz gave birth to his fifth child. One thing Donnell is going to do is going to sing and he's going to put a baby in you. I think that's something. And drink. Hey. <laughs> So he moved back to Arista and released a greatest hits compilation, but it nothing really came of it. He wasn't making as much money as he was before. He wasn't hot. So he went to doing what he was always doing, drinking. He was drinking, drinking, drinking. He drank a gallon 
a gallon of vodka one night to the point where he was spiraling in his bed. He drank a gallon of vodka by himself straight. And he prayed to God that he would save his life and he would finally go to rehab and do it right this time. The next morning he woke up, um, well, probably the next night, and he went to rehab. He talked, he called his mom and was like, I want to do it. I want to go. I want to get better. He eventually went to go get help and got dropped from Arista and went to E1 where he was independent and released two records. He released one in 2010 and 2012. One of them was um, Forever and it was a dedication to Michael Jackson. It debuted again at the top of top three in the R&B charts, which is a big deal, especially when you're an artist who's who may not have the biggest pop success. The fact that R&B is still embracing you is a huge thing. So he went back on the road. He started working with other artists like Jacquees, um, Joe. He started working again and got, getting his life back together. I and mean, he even embraced the fact that he was bald. Did you know that he didn't even like being bald? That's why he wore the hats all the time. He looks good bald. Like, he looks really, really sexy bald. And he even married Jazz, the girl that came up and asked for a camel at the party. He married her after eight years of dating and went to the courthouse and also got her pregnant again in 2016. So he has a four-year-old at the house. And now he's saying, you know, not only is he touring, he's going on tours here and there. He's He hasn't drank in years and he also kicked his nicotine habit. So there's that. Let's give a round of applause to Donnell Jones, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody knows a Donnell Jones, though. We all know Donnell, child. We all got a Donnell in our family. Isn't that cool? I love Donnell Jones. If you don't, if you don't really, if you only know his couple of songs, I say go and he really does have good albums. I feel like a lot of people have good hits but no albums. Donnell Jones puts together a really, really great album. And it's the kind of music that I like to make love to or you know, it's 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 kind of street, but it's beautiful. It's poetic. It's <laughs> thug passion. Um, but when you get a chance, go listen to Donnell Jones. And let's move on. Move on to our last segment. I'm going to make it really, really, really quick. This is the love and relationship segment of the show. One of my favorite ones. And today we are talking about the fact that Breonna Taylor's murderers are not arrested. No, but I just wanted to throw that out there. We are talking about something that I've had my fair share of experiences with um, that I think has a weird... Um, I feel like people have it all wrong. And I want to talk about what it's really like to have a threesome. I think a lot of people have that fantasy and unfortunately I've, I've, I don't know how, that's not something I even fantasized about, but I've had quite a, quite a few threesomes, not in a relationship. I've never shared anybody in a relationship, but I have had threesomes my, more than my share. And I feel like there's a fantasy. I think, I don't know. I don't I'm doing this segment with Cosmopolitan Magazine, cosmopolitan.com, the um, iconic magazine and the iconic e-newsletter. Subscribe to cosmo.com now or click the link in this description box and sign up for Cosmo Magazine. You get a dollar an issue now. 
Remember when magazines are like $3.99? They're not anymore. Because nobody, my only person who I know who reads magazine is my best friend, Molly. I mean, Sinclair. And it's because we're, we're both from the 90s, so. But anywho, did you know that more than 80% of people have never had a threesome? I don't know why that is so weird to me. <laughs> One, because I don't think you're missing out on anything. I don't think a threesome is anything that anybody's missing out on. I'm here to tell you. Um, I guess that's hard for me to say because I've had multiple um, threesomes, but they weren't great. I feel like the issue that I, I'll get to that. Let me, let's, let's just, let's just do this drop with Cosmo real quick. Threesomes aren't just the male fantasy that pop culture makes them out to be sometimes. There are plenty of reasons a woman would want a threesome and you should be encouraged to explore that territory if it's something that turns you on. Whether you're in a committed couple finding a third, looking to join an existing couple in a threesome as their unicorn or invite a third into your relationship, or just trying it out for amongst friends, it's easier to have a threesome than you think. Sure, there can be planning involved, but if you're going to go by the movie standards, it's rarely the wordless kissing of a tangle of a stranger and then walking up the next morning and nothing ever happened you've got to talk it out and make sure that everybody's on board and sleeping on the decision is never a bad idea. Here are eight easy tips for having a threesome. One, be open to trying new things. Two, have extra condoms on hand. Even if it's just one guy and two women, this is handy for switching condoms if you've got two women and also for covering up an easy sex toy cleanup. Three, put a towel down just in case. Mm. Four, offer your threesome buddies a drink and a snack because it's polite. Five, music helps to set the mood. Six, don't spend too much time spiraling in advance over who is doing what and what goes where. It's not a group project and you are not getting graded on participation. Seven, with that said, if there are a hot idea that you've been wanting to try, this is the perfect time. You're already doing something outside of your comfort zone, so give yourself the freedom to lean all the way out. And eight, do not make a poor, your poor unicorn your couple's therapist. So technically, I know people keep saying that, um, what is a unicorn? I guess it's a threesome. This has got to be some hetero shit. I've never been called, I've never heard it being called a unicorn, but whatever. Okay, so to piggyback off of that awesome awesome article. Thank you, Cosmo Magazine. I believe all those tips really do. One, I guess have one thing for sure that stuck out to me is having multiple condoms. You got to have a lot, have a lot of condoms, condoms break, um, things happen. You're switching holes, you're switching (laughs) all kind of things. So have your more, um, have a, have a more than a fair share of condoms on board. I put a towel down. Yes. Offer drinks. Absolutely. I'm really bad about that. I've never really hosted a threesome like that. That's not something that I do. I've always gotten invited into threesomes. And even because, you know, with some of these threesomes, it just might not just be a drink, but, um, you know, you're smoking, you know, so at least have some kind of like a blunt or and some Hennessy, you know, you're doing it. Don't just boom, you know, like. Let's fuck now and, and you know ease into it music of course my favorite soundtrack 
music, I have to have music in any sexual experience I have. I don't care. Like, I cannot have sex in any kind of form quiet. I think that's so strange to me. But my <laughs> threesome soundtrack chronic uh, kind of involves Cassie's Rockabye Baby mixtape and um, some reggae. I like a little mixture of both. I like hearing some reggaeton, but the soundtrack of my sexual prowess is Cassie's Rockabye Baby. I don't know why. It's just something about that record is so sexy to me. I have to have it playing all the time. Um, Yeah, and I feel like you should, to go into it, don't be weird, because then it'll be weird. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's, relax. If you're going to have a threesome, just relax. It's no, It's not a judgment. It's not a place for a judgment to be made. It's for love to be made, baby. You know, this is a fantasy. Have fun. Relax. Don't overthink it. I think this might be the one thing that she might not ever. Overthinking will hurt the situation, actually. I think if you just move with your body. And maybe that's why I've always, I always find myself like right in the middle of threesomes. I don't know if that's just the bossy Capricorn side of me, but I usually am like right in the middle. I'm the, the, the cream and the Oreo filling. I, I mean, I guess like I've always, cause I'm, I guess I'm more loose and more natural when it comes to sex about certain things. Like I don't really overthink it. I, I, I listen to my body and my heart. I don't really, I just zone out and do what I need. And I think anybody should, if you're going to go ahead and go with it, relax, relax, have fun, have fun. Um, yeah, and, and don't, um, but also don't do anything that you're not comfortable with. And you have to make sure, I don't see how anybody can do it with their partner, but a lot of people do a lot of crazy things with their partner. But um, leave it in the bed, leave it there. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to try, leave it there. So yeah, those those are um, Cosmo. And especially around this time during COVID, you, know, you might want to be extra precautious or not do it at all. But those are Cosmo and my, or is it me and Cosmo's? It's me and Cosmo's eight tips on having successful threesome. If you want to read them, read the article. It's in the description box as usual. And thank you so much for listening. Again, I appreciate all y'all. I love y'all. I'll see y'all next week. Make sure that you follow, subscribe to the show. Follow me on Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis or Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis show. Twitter.com slash Carmine Davis. And we are getting ready to do live shows. I know I keep saying it, but I promise you we will. And I'm going to tell you exactly how soon. How you can get involved. I love y'all and y'all have a good week, okay? Talk to you next week. Yeah.